Hello, and welcome to episode number 126 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, where we run down all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings here in the crazy gambling industry. This is our week four NFL preview, a week in which we will spend little time on a couple of games. We'll dig in a little bit deeper in some others, but we don't want to waste your time. And if we don't have any thoughts, we don't have any bets. We're just going to move right along real quick, guys. Let's go ahead and talk. I mean, I mean, real quick about Thursday night football as to what was going on with all of that. I mean, uh, Brett, I think first and foremost, I think the biggest takeaway for me anyway was the fact that Rippon came in and uh, didn't look completely lost. I mean, he did have a couple of bad picks, but two of them, he was trying to just throw the ball away and like for whatever reason, couldn't throw the ball completely away, but um, had a couple of bad picks. But other than that, I mean, looked fairly composed, looked fairly poised and um, you know, hey, I think the Jets are probably staring at a two-win season at this point. You think two? That's that's generous. Um, I, yeah, he looked composed against the Jets yeah. defense. I mean, they they all they did was pick on Desir the entire night. So how difficult is that? I don't know. I'm, I wasn't that impressed with the Rip, and I thought I'm a Driscoll guy. I thought they should have stuck <laughs> with Driscoll, but um, hey, they got the W. So what are you? What can yeah, you say? you're the you're the guy. You're the Driscoll guy. We met him. Everyone, I'm we found Driscoll him. We found him. Everyone, he's right here. We, he came in and ripped off a ten yard <laughs> run. I mean, how more efficient can you we get? We got than that? the Driscoll guy right here on on the podcast, uh, Brad. I mean, I don't know what you think. I mean, I guess we could bring the uh, the Giants into the conversation as well. But these these two teams look like look like the two worst teams in the NFL, if not definitely, definitely bottom five in the NFL. Yeah, and it probably shows you the importance of coaching, doesn't it? Because, I mean, the Broncos were bereft of all their good players, basically, and the Jets were relatively healthier. Well, they were before the game, but, I mean, <laughs> there, were, right. there, there were a few more victims of that MetLife turf. And that's when I turned the game off, when there was just another injury of someone going down with a hamstring. I was like, I can't keep watching all these players' games just because this turf is just broken. Um, but yeah, I think it showed the value of coaching. You know, the like the just even though the Broncos had no talent on defense, they still had a, a decent scheme, and you know they, they moved the ball somewhat. I I thought um, the quarterback uh, Rippon might be a bit of a Trevor Simeon type, where you know limited physical ability, but might do well in his first handful of starts just because he studies the playbook will know will know the system and gets the ball out quick so maybe a bit of success early before he gets found out yeah uh adam gase apparently is going to keep his job uh despite the fact that uh he is by far the worst coach uh, i've i've ever seen the decision to not go for it on fourth and inches and kick the field goal was so incredibly adam gase it was like so incredibly predictable i looked this up last night because i had to i had to check this out there are more astronauts in the space program at NASA than there are head coaches in the NFL. It is a more specialized job than being a friggin' astronaut. And Adam Gase has one of those jobs. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. There are 48 astronauts at NASA and there are only 32 NFL head coaches. And Adam Gase has one of those positions. I just can't even imagine that that is the world that we live in right now. Uh, guys, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate that. At Brett Colson on the Twitter, at Brad Allen NFL. And if you want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. But yes, boy, those are going to be tough teams to watch moving forward and going to be tough teams for us to bet moving forward. There's no doubt about that. So let's kick things off here with the Colts 
and the Bears. This is a very interesting game from the aspect that the Bears have moved on to Nick Foles. With that move, this line did not really adjust at all. The market basically saying there's not much of a difference between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. As we sit right now, it is two and a half seems to be the prevailing line that is out there at DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, MGM. Uh, two and a half point favorites are the Colts on the road as they travel to Chicago to take on this Bears team. Brad, let's start with uh, let's start with you on this one. Just any quick thoughts. We know with the Colts, they're going to be without Michael Pittman, their draft pick, so they're going to have to dig deep into that wide receiver core yet again. Tariq Cohen for the Bears out with an ACL injury, so he has uh, been moved to uh, to IR for the season. So a little bit of a little bit of concern there on both of these teams with some injuries. Um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the, the Colts' weapons. Um, I think as long as Ty is healthy, they've got Mo Ali Cox who's, who's playing well as well. And obviously, you know that Rivers likes to dump the ball down to Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. So I think they've got enough weapons to move the ball. Um, so this is this is a game I have bet. I bet the the Colts minus two and a half. Um, and it's uh, first of all, I don't I don't think Foles is necessarily an upgrade. Obviously, he came back, came in last week, brought them back. But, I mean, you, you just watch some of the plays. Like, there was a play where he completed a ball between three defenders. The Bears fumbled it, then like, then fumbled it forward, picked up, they fumbled it again, and they recovered it again. So, like, you know, and, and then the, the, the Alan Robinson touchdown, it's just some of the worst tackling I've ever mm. seen. Like, he just turned around and the, the Falcons defender just lie down. Uh, and then the Falcons were doing their best to to help them out. I think they went three and out three times to end the game. Matt Ryan missed the deep ball, which could have won the game as well. So I, I don't think he's a, he's a huge upgrade, really. We, we know what Nick Foles is. He's he's probably a slightly below average quarterback. He's not mobile. Um, he's not got a particularly good arm. He, he, he plays on time, which I think obviously mm-hmm. the coaches like, and that's probably part of the reason he's in there because he does give his guys a chance. You know, they were talking about opens up the playbook, opens up the back shoulder throws, which Trubisky just wasn't turning loose. So the coaches like him, but I still, I still see the bears as kind of a seven and a half, eight win team. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've scraped out three victories against just really, really poor teams. Um, and meanwhile, I think the Colts are still kind of a, a 10, 11 win team. Um, and I, I think the biggest mismatch here is probably in the trenches, as usual. So the, the Bears' offensive line, they're about, they're kind of mid-pack, 14th in adjusted sack rate. But they have faced Atlanta's defensive line. We know they're crap. The New York Giants, no pass rush. And the Lions, which is the literal worst pass rush um, in the in the NFL. And the Colts coming here is probably like a top three defensive line. DeForest Buckner's murdering everyone in the middle. Um, Justin Houston on the outside is, is, is still an excellent player. So I think if the Bears get behind at all and you're forcing Foles to drop back behind behind that mismatch, he's not mobile at all. So if he's got, you know, he's going to have pressure in his face, pressure in his blind side. And I think we could see um, we could see the Bears struggle to move the ball. And as I say, you know, the Colts offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. I think they've got enough weapons and I, I'm still a believer in Philip Rivers. So I thought this was a cheap price to lay on the road. Brett, we take a look here. The We've got a Colts team coming in, and we figured this offensive line was going to be one of the strengths of this team. So far, it's top 10, basically, in uh, in all the offensive line categories, at least graded-wise, according to Pro Football Focus. But then you go down, third down third down conversion percentage, dead last in the NFL. They can't, they can't convert here. Um, and then you look at the Bears' defense that has played, at least so far, 
fairly good. Do you, does that concern you at all? A, a offensive line that is kind of, you know, it's not one of the super elite right now. It's, it's in that like 10 to 12 range. So it's in the upper third when we're talking about offensive lines, but we're talking about a bears defense that has at least played better than I think that we even thought that they would play. And again, what do you think of this move to Foles? Uh, well, I, I do think Foles. Yeah, is I do as well. Just because I do as way- well. Because, yeah, just because of the way the game of football is played in 2020. Like, he's not afraid to go out and fling it. That's how you win in the NFL uh, this year under these rules. I I noticed immediately, uh, like, the difference in in this offense is more functional when he is a quarterback in the huddle. You know, you read the stories out there this week about how he's directing receivers, altering assignments at the line of scrimmage. Like he's a quarterback like that. You don't get that with Trubisky. So I, I do like Foles quite a bit more than than Trubisky. And, you know, you combine that with the defense that ranked sixth in DVOA for the first time all season. This Colts offensive line will have its hands full and Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers will be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he only played like four series last week. He barely played yeah. last week. So I, I, I love this spot for a home underdog that is still flying under the radar despite the three and zero start. Yeah. Like Brad said, they haven't played anybody yet, but I don't think the Colts resume is that strong either. Like we're seeing this team ranked number one in some of these metrics. I, I I don't get that. They haven't played anybody yet and they haven't looked all that impressive. So I like, I like the bears here as, as home dogs. I just don't think the Colts have done enough uh, to prove that they're worth being a road road favorite against this football yeah, team. Yeah, I actually am. Uh, this is a, you guys have been listening to the podcast for the last couple of years. Know how this goes for me. I mean, home team, two and a half point dog. This is an automatic teaser play for me uh, like every single time over and over and over again. I will take that two and a half and turn it into eight and a half and feel comfortable with it. This Colts team, I don't think is built at all to blow anybody out. So even a win is going to be a close win, in my opinion, catching eight and a half with this home team. I do think there is an upgrade with Foles to Trubisky I think there is at least at the quarterback position something to be said for intangibles and been there done that type situation I mean there has to be at least a little bit more respect that's brought to that locker room that's brought to that huddle with Nick Foles than there is with Mitchell Trubisky at least Foles has been to the big dance he has been there he's won it he's a guy that uh you know a lot of these guys can look at and say okay you know what at the very least this guy's knows his shit right he knows what he's talking about he's been there and he's done all that where Trubisky I think uh, had pretty much lost those teammates he knew he was going to get benched at some point this season everybody knew he was going to get benched at some point this season and the players know that as well it's tough to keep respect whenever that's kind of the situation hovered around you uh this Bears defense like I mentioned I mean coming in fifth in uh rush defense rank according to pro football focus third in pass rush according to pro football focus their coverage grade is up at fifth as well pass defense DVOA is fourth so we're talking top five defensive metrics across the board here from multiple different sources and uh, Philip Rivers in this Colts offense hasn't shown me anything to lead me to believe that they're going to be able to beat that uh, time and time again so uh, I I lean more towards uh, the Brett side I'm not going to play him at two and a half just at under a field goal I'd rather if this thing gets to three certainly could entice me uh, if it does get to the if it does get to the key number three but again Two and a half with a home dog right here where I don't have any conviction at all on the other side of the ball. Give me this in a teaser leg up to eight and a half. I will feel comfortable with it. I'll feel happy happy with it. And that'll make it into my account as well. Um, 
All right, let's head to the Saints and the Lions. Brad, I'm going to start with you on this one. I mean, when we look at this, I know this is a little bit tougher for us to handicap here as we record this on Friday morning, strictly because we don't really know the status of Michael Thomas still yet. Now, he did practice. There is at least optimism that he might be able to go, but nothing has been made formal. So, uh, you know, again, the best player on the field for the Saints arguably him and Kamara both, but uh, definitely one of the very most important people, whether he's out there or not, definitely makes a difference, you know, to to the Saints offense. I think we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. For sure. But if you look at the metrics, this just has not been a good football team. Uh, We said as much last week and then the offense actually did outperform expectations, but the defense got shredded Mm -hmm. by Aaron Rodgers. So now this is a defense that's likely to be without Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Davenport this week. Both those guys didn't practice on Thursday and this Lions offense. We finally got a look at what we anticipated to be like an underrated high ceiling team coming into the season. I think the Lions are a better team than New Orleans right now on paper with Kenny Galladay back in the lineup. You know, as we sit here on October 2nd, I think the Lions are a better football team. Even if the Saints do get Michael Thomas back this week, they're so limited in what they do offensively with Drew Brees under center. And you can't rely on Alvin Kamara to rip off big plays week after week, drive after drive. I just, I don't think the market has adjusted enough to the Saints yet. And the Lions are, are still being undervalued. We love this team coming into the season. I think we're going to see more of what we saw last week in this game. I I would not be shocked if the Lions uh, left it with a win here. Uh, Brad, we're looking at four and a half. Saints favored by four and a half at DraftKings and FanDuel. There is a flat four still out there at points bet and bet MGM. If you're looking to bet the Saints, of course, as we mentioned, you can get the hook over at DraftKings FanDuel for uh, for the Lions if you want that. The total in this thing up at 54. Uh, pretty interesting when we look at these these totals. I mean, so many in the 50s this week and right at 50 because we've just seen these uh, these overs continue to just uh, hit time and time and time again, even on Thursday night and that crap fest. We saw the over hit pretty easily. So um, New Orleans heads to town. The Lions do get back Kenny Galladay last week. He makes a couple of big plays. Now he's had an extra week to get even more healthy. How do you see this Saints-Lions game? Yeah, the Lions are starting to get back to the team we thought they would be before the season when obviously they were they were kind of the, the sexy pick to win the NFC North, um, you know, because of how many close games and stuff they lost last year. Um, so they've, they've got Galladay back. They've got, they should have Desmond Trufant back. He's been practicing this week, um, who's obviously going to be important at cornerback. Um, I think even if Michael Thomas does play, I'm not overly worried about him. Um you know, we've seen time and again that high ankle sprains just kind of sap explosiveness. And he's, he's obviously rushing back because the team's in trouble. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm hoping they announce him in and we get an extra half point or two um, on the Lions side. Um, my concern is, A, last week that the Lions, obviously they won the game, but they were plus three in turnovers and they, they lost the stats kind of. They were worse on success rate than Arizona. Um, and... They seem to be quite committed to Adrian Peterson. Again, one of the reasons that we all liked the Lions last year was because they threw it downfield to Galladay, but that wasn't really the game plan last week. And, I, you know, if they're going to be smashing Adrian Peterson into the line, I'm, I'm much, much less keen on this. Um, and on the other side of the ball, the Saints offensive line is still very good. And as I said a couple of times, the Lions defensive line is dead, dead the worst in the league. So, you know, whatever Breeze has left, I think he's going to have a lot of time. Um 
put it all together and at four and a half I would I would lean the lines way. Um but I will wait and I'm hoping they announce Michael Thomas we might get five, five and a half and I will bet the lines. Yeah, I'm going to uh I don't have a play at four and a half as we sit right now because I am going to uh I I find myself to be a lot of times a, an informational better and I think that that's one of the more powerful things. I mean, I know everyone talks about closing line value out there, but I mean, in this day and age, for me, information is is more important to me than a half point sometimes. And so whether they, whether or not they have Michael Thomas and kind of getting these final practice reports is going to be pretty interesting to me. I mean, when you look at the advanced statistics on the Saints offense, and I know with our eyes, we're kind of like wanting to throw up, but they're not actually ranking and rating out all that bad on the offensive side of the ball. It's just a different type of offense than we're used to seeing. And it's not a very appealing type of offense that we're used to seeing. I mean, it's a dink and dunk offense now. That's just what this thing has become. And it is like not going to change with the physical limitations that Drew Brees brings to the table. So he doesn't really have to hit these 30 yard bombs and stuff like that anymore because that's just not what they do. They run all of these five and six and seven yard routes and they hit Kamara out of the backfield and it's going to be gross to watch for the for the entirety of the season but that's just what the Saints are going to do you know unfortunately um so I don't think they're as bad as we think I definitely think that they're worse than we thought heading into the season there's there's no doubt about that for me either I'm going to hold out I'm going to see what happens to Michael Thomas I'm going to see where this line ends up if, if for some strange reason this starts to run, I would definitely be on the Lions at home for sure. If any reason this started heading back the other direction, uh, I still do think that the Lions, uh, that, that the Saints are a better team. This defense is not going to play as bad as they have played these first few weeks for the rest of the season. They're too talented. There's too many pl- playmakers on that side of the ball for them to play this poorly for the whole season. So um, I think there will be some regression on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they'll be able to uh, – handle this Lions team if, again, this thing starts heading back the other direction. Four and a half, tricky number for me. We'll sit back and see where this thing ends up. Um, Brad, we're going to head to the Cardinals and the Panthers here. Cardinals and uh, the and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray coming off his first, I would say, extremely poor game as a pro last week. He's had some bad games last year, but it was an extremely poor game last week for Kyler Murray. It showed up. They get beat outright. They are now only three-point favorites as they head on the road here to the Carolina Panthers. They win that game. Wouldn't have surprised me if this thing was five or 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 more um, in favor of the Cardinals, but they lose. It is three. Um, Panthers coming off of a win where they were able to you know get some tape on Justin Herbert, and they were able to try and maybe uh, figure out a game plan for him as well. On the total side of this thing is where things get a little bit interesting as well because we're seeing – uh, the Cardinals and the Panthers come in a total. 50, it's as high as 52 at one of the books out there, prevailing kind of 51, 51 and a half. Buddha Baker did not practice, likely to be out uh, for the Cardinals. And of course, we know the injuries on the Panther side of the ball. Um, yeah, so maybe let's, let's start with Arizona. Um, they're possibly not putting up the numbers that. People are that, that people think they are. I think you see Kyler Murray, you know, like dodging a dodging a cornerback mm-hmm. and putting him on his bum and, and scoring. And everyone thinks, oh, you know, this is a, this is a great offense. But they're kind of mid pack by success rate. 
Um, I've got them 16th here. And actually, the team they're facing here is better than them. Um, yeah, so I've got them two spots ahead of them in success rate and, and better than them in, in yards per play as well, um, which is not at all what the line would tell you and not at all, I would say, the perception. Um and that's, I would say maybe that's based on defense as well because you know the Panthers mm-hmm. coming in first three first two games they were awful one I think one QB hit in the first two weeks of the season and you know a lot of people went oh well eight new starters their new scheme that's to be expected well last week they had twenty one pressures on um, on the Chargers on uh, Justin Herbert um, and then you kind of look they they get K one short back this week which again should stiffen up the run defense which is I think the real weakness of that defense. Um, and you actually look at their pressure rate, and they're kind of their top eight in um, pass rush win rate by ESPN's metric there. So this 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 defense isn't possibly as bad as it's looked. Mm-hmm. The offense is top half of the league. We we you know we know all about the weapons: DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. But I mean that's that's as good a three wide receiver set as you get. And um, so far that Teddy's moving the ball. So I think Cardinals might be a bit overrated. Panthers a little bit underrated, so I like the home dog plus three. Brett, this was uh, kind of expanding on what Brad said right there. I think, and you know, hell, I've you know been doing this for twenty years, and even I'm still guilty of this at this to this day. You know, like what we see with our eyes, because I am fortunate enough to watch every single game every single week, and what we see with our eyes can some kind sometimes deceive us, and that's I think that's what was going on with this Cardinals team. I made a bad play. Bet the Cardinals last week in the in the in the contest, which really cost me. And you know, I think that if I would have just really dug into kind of the the advanced numbers and actually took them to heart instead of saying like, ah, you know, come on, I'm seeing what Kyler Murray's doing. Come on, man, this is uh, this is what this guy's made out of. I probably would have drawn better conclusions here with this Cardinals team. I mean, their pass blocking is in the lower third of the league. Their run blocking is damn near last. It's 30th, according to Pro Football Focus. When you look at all that, I mean, you look at their pass offense, DVOA is sitting at 25th, despite all the gaudy numbers that Hopkins is putting up. Um, so there's just a lot when you really dig in here that you go oh well I guess we see the highlights and we see the splash plays but this offense isn't necessarily everything that we maybe our eyes are telling us it is yeah and this is this is a weird one because you've got a team in Arizona coming off a loss after being overvalued by the betting market I guess a team coming off a win after they had been written mm-hmm. off following that Christian McCaffrey injury so the, you know, the look ahead in that game was Cardinals minus five it's now three so what do we do with this now that the market has sort of normalized on these two teams? The injury report for Arizona is big. Key injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And then Nook Hawkins hasn't practiced yet this week. Nook, a player who should have his way with this Panthers secondary. You take him out of the equation, you're left with a, a hobbled Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella. It really shouldn't matter. Arizona had so much success in 12 personnel running the football the second half of last year. That should that should be the game plan here against the worst run defense in the NFL. But will Cliff Kingsbury lean on the run game after, you know, 
acquiring right. all these weapons for Kyler Murray. It's it's just it's hard for me to feel comfortable laying a field goal on the road with this team, not knowing what this offense is going to look like. Um, Carolina is getting healthier, too. So I, I do lean Carolina here if they're getting three. Yeah, it would be a home dog here or pass for me. Uh, same reason that, that you guys all brought up so far. I mean, listen, the Hopkins injury is pretty massive, uh, especially considering that the next biggest weapon in Kirk would be hobbled as well. Right. I mean, he would definitely not be 100 percent. So now you're relying on Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella and, and and the ghost of Larry Fitzgerald out there. So, I mean, this is these are things that I and, and I agree with you, Brett. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury has it in him to just run the ball all game. It's not what he does. It's not where he comes from. It's not his philosophy. I don't know if he'll just line up and pound the ball over and over again, which, by the way, if if he were to be without those guys would be the obvious path to victory. As you mentioned, dead last, according to pro football focus is uh, the Panthers team in rush defense, 28th DVOA rush defense. So again, the two different, you know, kind of bodies out there that we like to go to when it comes to grading, this type of stuff are in unison on this, that they are a bottom four unit in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run, but I just don't know if, uh, I don't know if Cliff will do it. So that being said, I would have a lean towards the home dog as well. And I cannot see myself laying a field goal on the road here with, uh, with the Cardinals. And that's crazy for me to think that a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at this Cardinals team thinking that maybe they had really turned a corner out there. Um, all right, Brett. So let's take a look here at my boy, Joe Burrow, future hall of famer, uh, Joe Burrow, the, uh, Jaguars are heading on the road to, the Bengals here. Um, we are looking at a couple of teams here that I think have really shifted in our perception in the first three weeks of the season. We came in thinking the Jaguars are going to be absolutely horrible. They go out, they win a game against the Colts, and we go, oh, maybe they're not as horrible as, as we thought. And then we see the game last week and we go, oh, never mind. They are, in fact, horrible. And then we come to the season thinking the Bengals were going to be one of the biggest bottom feeders in all the league. And they listen, still bad, but but spicy, right? They're at least uh, they're kind of in it a little bit. Whenever we uh, start to look at this team again, we are looking at a what are we looking at? Three points right here on the road as a uh, as a dog to the Jaguars. Uh, three point favorite, I mean. Yeah, and I kind of want to throw away the Jaguars game last mm. week. I mean, that was a short week coming off a of really tough loss to the Titans. They were right in that game for the second straight week. Um, and now they get an extra rest against the Bengals team. Uh, their first look at Joe Burrow. I, I, I like to bet on the team that looked the worst the previous week. That might've been the Jaguars last week and on extra rest. I kind of lean that way this week is kind of a bounce back spot against a bad football team, but it's, I don't know what to do with this. This is two bad football teams. I don't know what either one of them is going to look like. So this, this one, I'm just kind of throwing away. I don't have a whole lot of notes. Yeah, Brad, I don't like to keep putting contingencies into games or something, but I think what we did see in this Jaguars game last week is they really did miss the presence of DJ Chark being out on the field, him being able to be out there and stretch the field and him being able to get the, the, the offense, give the offense a chance to at least, throw the ball down the field and then they can work the other guys underneath and all that and without him the offense became incredibly predictable and and just looked overall bad he was limited in practice yesterday of course we'll find out a lot more on Friday and Saturday so for me I don't know where you are sitting on this one but for me I, I hate to say it all hinges on one player I think that's unfair and that's kind of a lazy handicap that being said I would at least be able to try to understand this game a little bit better if I knew Chark was in or out and without 
without knowing that, it's hard for me to come with a definitive opinion. Yeah, I, I agree that shark is very important. Um, I, th- I think it's a underrated angle in the NFL where if you, you know, if you take out the burner, you know, he's a, he's a 4-3 deep threat, the Deshaun Jackson types, the Will Fuller types. I think if you take them out of an offense or put them back in, I think it's, it is important because it does it does change the calculus. It changes the numbers. It's a bit like having a running quarterback. Suddenly mm-hmm. you have to put an extra man on him and it does it does free up the rest of it. And you saw that in the Dolphins. Like the coverage was sticky and it's not like the Dolphins have got an elite secondary, um, but there was just no one open a lot of the time. Um, so I think if Sharp plays, I do like the Jags. So just statistically, I mean, the the Jags, I've got them fifth in success rate this year, mm-hmm. um, 16th in yards per play. And then we've got the Bengals down at 30th in yards per play and um, 21st in success rate. So despite all the hype about Burrow, he's still not moving the ball effectively as uh, the moustache over there. Um, <laughs> you could probably argue that Cincinnati are got a better defense. Um, I know in Football Outsiders, I think they had them as like the eighth best pass pass defense this year. But they've had the fifth easiest schedule um, face so far. So I don't think the Bengals have suddenly got a good D. Um, so yeah, I think if Sharp plays, I, I do quite like the, the Jags plus the three and on the money line. Yeah, I think I would probably... Uh, I think if I ended up on the Jags, like you just said, I'd probably just play a money line. I don't think it, I think if I'm going to buy into the Jags, I think they're winning this thing outright. I don't think it's going to be some sort of close game where the Bengals, you know, win by a field goal late or whatever. So I, I would, I would also just play the money line if that's how I end up on this. And so as the information rolls out, we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys updated again. You can just follow us all on Twitter, follow the main account at the lines and we'll go from there. Uh, we talked a little bit pre-show a game that all three of us don't have have a huge opinion on is this Browns and Cowboys game. We will tell you that as we sit right now, it's one of those weird numbers where it's sitting at, are we still at five? Well, four and a half, I guess it's moved to now. It seems the prevailing number Cowboys at home favored by four and a half. None of us really have a play on this one. The Browns have a ridiculous amount of injuries. Every Dallas game. Yeah, and I mean, look, the Browns have a stupid amount of injuries as well that like makes this handicap almost impossible on a Friday morning where you don't know if Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams is going to play, which is like absolutely massive when it comes to what this Browns team might be able to do to limit this high-powered offense of, of the Cowboys and all of that. And so uh, for us, no play play here so we'll just move on so that we don't waste your time but let's talk about the Vikings and the Texans and this is a pretty interesting game to talk about just due to the situation Um, Brett I'll start with you on this one the Vikings are going to play despite the fact that they were part of the COVID game this past week and that being said they have been shut out of their facility for the majority of the week I need the two of you over the next couple of minutes to convince me as to why this is not a Texans autoplay for me in any given situation, no matter what, because when you are not in the facility and you are not able to watch film and break down film and sit there and use all these millions of dollars worth of equipment that you have bought and put into these facilities where they can break down every little play by slow motion and isolate and do all these different little things that has become such an important part of the NFL. I mean, we saw the adjustments that the Panthers were able to make just in one week. Herbert walks out there, surprise sneak attack on the, on the chiefs. And the chiefs were like, 
what the hell is this? We didn't prepare for this guy. And they were able to stay in that game. One fast forward one week and there was some film and they were able to go watch college tape on Herbert and, and get, get a little bit of what he did the week before. And the Panthers made him look every bit, the rookie quarterback. And so a guy like Deshaun Watson, you would think if you're the pack, if you're the Vikings, you want to go in, you want to watch film, you want to break down what's going on so far this year. It is a different offense because uh, Hopkins is not in town. So you want to find out his tendencies and all that. And, you know, without without that being part of the equation, Brett, tell me why I'm wrong. The Texans are favored by four at DraftKings. They are favored by three and a half, actually, at FanDuel, if you wanted to back them there. Yeah, and that's why this is the head scratcher of the week for me. Like, this looks like a smash spot for the Houston Texans. They're 0-3. They're heading home to get right against a Vikings team that has been distracted all week with this COVID nonsense. Not nonsense. It's mm. obviously very serious, but like they, it's it's like outside of football. Like they, their mind should be on football, and then it's not. Yeah. Like they hadn't even entered the, the team facility until Thursday, like you said. Now they got to travel too. On top of that, what was the preparation like to get ready for an elite quarterback mm. like Deshaun Watson? But the line's moving the other way, which is like, what? What <laughs> am I, I missing said, here? Like, I what? need y'all to talk me off of this. Like, I was, I was not even saying that for content. I was actually saying that for real life. I need y'all to talk me off no. of this so that I don't like empty my account on this thing. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why can't Houston, who's faced by far the toughest schedule in the NFL so far this year, just go out and look like the playoff team that they've been the past two years? And by the way, two years ago they started 0 three and still won that division. They should be able to bully this team at home, a bad team. This Vikings defense is one of the worst in the league. I don't see why Watson won't go out and just feast on the secondary. This is, I, th- I think this should be like closer to seven. I don't, I don't get yeah, this. Yeah, uh, Brad, Brett mentions, and this is like another thing that it, they faced a murderer's row here. It's Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers to start out the season for this Texans team. So finally, a little bit of breathing room for them over the next few games to try to come back from this 0-3 hole that they've gotten that that they've gotten themselves in. But um, you look at this Vikings defense, we're talking 31st, according to pro football focus rush defense way down at 22nd and pass rush. They're down in uh, 20th and coverage. Their rush defense, 23rd, according to DVOA, they're given 440, giving up 440 yards per game so far. So, I mean, there's just, uh, I, I, again, talk us off of this. What, what, what are we missing? Um, I, I, I wouldn't talk you off it. I'm, I'm currently looking at a minus three and a half at one minus one oh six, and I, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> without COVID, with you know, without the lack of practice, I'd probably still prefer mm-hmm. the Texans there because, you know, I, I, I do think this is still an eight win team despite the start of the year. Vikings, you know, I bet their season win total under. I had them as kind of a seven six six mm-hmm. team more likely, um, and. They've done nothing to disprove that. They've still got injuries at cornerback, um, which, again, is not what you want against someone who's willing to throw deep. Um, you know, the, the Houston offensive line is getting a lot of criticism, but if you look at who they've played, it's like it's a who's who of like, elite defensive linemen and exotic blitzes. Um, and this, this Vikings defense is, is just nowhere near the Steelers or the Ravens or, the, or even the Chiefs. Um, so I, I do think they're going to go nuts. I'll... I, I, I couldn't talk you off it. I, I really don't know why it is the price. The only thing I would suggest is that, you know, the people people shaping this market are probably still using their models mm-hmm. and, and no one no one knows how to model this. I, I like your analogy that, you know, a week of film on a quarterback like, can swing the game by seven points or something. I, I would, it feels like to me. So, 
a week of no practice, no no rehab for these injured corners, no digest. Right, nothing. right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't see how it is. Yeah, and I'm willing to take the risk because I think it's a, I think it's a fine bet anyway. So you know, we've got quite a just unknown. Yeah, this was kind of a spot as you guys mentioned. This was kind of a spot I was looking at last week anyway. And then for this situation to pan out the way that it did and the market not react from a from a spread and, and total standpoint and everything like that. I mean, I, I just yeah, it, it's this is going into my account. There you have it. It's going on to my contest place. There you have it. If you want to whatever, it's all going like it's it's all happening. I uh, love love the Texans this week and the Vikings can go and and prove me wrong if they if they can do so. But uh, yeah, that just seems to me like something is definitely off and speaking of something definitely off i think there's a lot of people whenever this line first came out who were scratching their heads saying like oh that's interesting but you know again you dig into the you dig into the advanced statistics a little bit better and you start to understand the seahawks go on the road at the dolphins the seahawks one of the undefeated teams out there actually one of two teams in the nfl who have uh who are undefeated and have covered in every game as well so they are three and oh and three and oh against the spread six point favorites at the miami dolphins brad um seahawks they're letting russ cook it's working so far defense uh, could be better um yeah i mean you start with the start with the defense yes so my first look here was over, essentially. Both both teams banged up in the secondary. Um, you know, it looks like Jamal Adams, he, well, he's questionable. Um, and he's obviously, <laughs> they, they were still one of the worst pass defenses mm-hmm. in the league with him in there, running all over the field and smashing everyone up. So they're also missing cornerbacks. The Dolphins are the same. Byron Jones is, I think, questionable. Um, looked unlikely to play from what I can make out from beat reporters. Um, and two, two real good offences. Um Again, we just go back to the success rate. It's my favourite in-season predictive metric, I would say. Um, you've got Seahawks third in, in um, success rate. And then you've got Miami down at ninth, um, which is possibly not translated to the scoreboard yet, but they've, they've underperformed on third down. That's the sort of thing that generally regresses to the rest of the offence. You know, we take the larger sample mm-hmm. first and second down, and we kind of apply that to third. Um, and so I... You know, A, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be stopped at all. I think they're going to carry on doing what they've done all year and put up 35-40. Um, and then I do think the Dolphins will be able to come back on them. Um, as I said, they've got that strong success rate. They play quicker when they're behind as well. That was that was That's quite an interesting um, dichotomy. We've seen that when they were ahead against the Jags, they just took the air out of the ball, ran it, played very, very slowly. But when they were down against Buffalo and uh, New England early in the year, they, they sped it right up. We know Fitzpatrick can go no huddle. Um, and as I say, so we've got two two top two top ten offenses, two bottom six defenses, and teams that are going to play quick and air it out. So my concern actually is the weather. Um, last I checked, it was about twelve mile an hour winds and possible precipitation. So if it, if it did stay like that, if it did stay kind of fifty mile an hour winds, I might just go with the Dolphins as a, as the home team if it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than expected. Um, but yeah, I, I like points and uh, I like the Dolphins to score and, and keep it close. Brett sitting at 54, 54 and a half, depending on where you look at this one. The Seahawks defense has given up 
Nearly 1,300 passing yards already so far this season. 434 to Atlanta, 397 to New England, 461 to Dallas. Now, of course, some of that has to do to the fact that the offense is playing so well that they're scoring quickly. They're getting out to leads. Teams are having to play catch up. But even, even then, giving up over 400 yards nearly every single game is still something of concern. And you look at the advanced statistics and, you know, pass defense DVOA is down at 29th. When we take a look at their pass rush, according to Pro Football Focus, down at 31st. So they're not getting any pressure. They're allowing these quarterbacks to sit back there and and kind of pick them apart. We know Fitzpatrick with a healthy complement of weapons, which he will have, and you give him some time, and if he's not rush, running for his life, can do some damage through the air. This game checks every box for me. I love the over yeah. with you guys on that, but the Dolphins, this is my favorite play of the week. Like The Dolphins coming off extra rest, time to get some of their key players like Xavier Howard healthy. That's a huge one. And maybe, maybe even uh, Byron Jones. If they get him back, that's against these receivers. Is huge. And then on the other side, Seattle, the injury report littered with starters on defense. And this is a defense, like you guys have said, has already been gashed in every game this season. Their edge defenders have all of two sacks. They attack the quarterback by blitzing. But now Jamal Adams, the best blitzer they have, and an all-world safety is probably not going to play. Wait, what is Seattle going to do to get stops here against Fitzpatrick when they haven't shown the ability to get stops against anyone so far this season. They've allowed the most splash plays in the NFL. So like Brad said, even if Miami falls behind, the back door will be open. And then on the other side of the ball, like Miami's been able to create pressure. So they might be able to, to force Russ, Russ out of the pocket, mm-hmm. make some tough throws in potentially wet and windy conditions. So this is not just Miami plus six or six and a half. This is Miami money Whoa! line for me. Like say what you want. <laughs> Say what you want about the Seattle offense. They've been great, but this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now. And I, I trust Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker and Miami or uh, Mike Gazicki and these, these are these weapons to take advantage. I, I love Miami in this spot. Uh, that is all right. All right. That I like with the bold prediction there, as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, the pass rushing from, from the dolphins is, is up in the top 10 right now. Uh, should be able to get a little bit pressure on Russ. Of course, you know, he'll just take off, but I mean, if he's taken off, at least he's not throwing 50 yard bombs down the field. So that's, it's probably a good thing. Whenever Russ has right. to run the ball uh, as opposed to doing that. Yeah. I just look more than anything. I just love points in this game. Uh, I know that, 54 is a big number it would surprise me a lot if there were not 60 combined points in this game just the way that everything lines up so yeah i'm with you guys there for sure chargers and the bucks brett we have a at least one more week of justin herbert starting we have the buccaneers going on the road and uh thumping the denver broncos in denver um This is a Buccaneers team that you and I were not incredibly high on coming into the year. I'm trying to let my biases start to go away because of what one, not only what I'm seeing, but two, look, the the stats don't lie. The results don't lie. This defense is pretty elite uh, top to bottom when you look at it, and that is going to keep them in just about every single game. So Tom Brady doesn't have to be great. Tom Brady just needs to be okay with all of these weapons that he has, and they're going to win a whole bunch of football games. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing start to play out with this team here. And if they could ever get some chemistry on the offensive side of the ball, eh, you know, 
could be uh, could be interesting. They are seven point home favorites against the Chargers. Yeah, and this is actually another one of my favorite spots of the week because of the defense that you talked about. Todd Bowles and this bit, uh, the Bucks blitz game against this Chargers offensive line and a rookie quarterback. I think this is going to be a bloodbath, an offensive line that is without Mike Pouncey. They're down Brian Balaga and Trey Turner right now. 30th in PFF's offensive line rankings against a team that is so good blitzing. Uh, third in the NFL in sacks. They pressure. I mean, it's just... Uh, that game last week against Denver, I, poor Jeff, Jeff Driscoll. He didn't have a chance yeah. last week. So I faded the charges last week. I'm going right back there again this week. I don't think there's a team in the NFL that's been hit by the injury bug quite like the Chargers have. Uh, this roster on paper, I think it's one of the worst in the NFL right now. I think this line should be well north of seven. I, I just don't I, I don't see a path to the Chargers keeping this game close. I just don't. Mike Williams also did not practice. He's got a hamstring injury. So you take one more. You take the deep threat away as well that we're talking about from the Chargers. Um, I guess the only thing here, Brad, how big of a deal is it to you that Chris Godwin is likely not to play at least for the next couple of weeks here that does still leave Mike Evans and the rest of the the crew there. But uh, boy, this uh, this Bucks defense has looked absolutely spectacular. Lights out. Yeah, I re- retweeted a thread uh, this week um, to show, going through some of the blitz packages they were chucking at the Broncos, and it was it was savage. Um, and and as uh, as Brett says, this this Chargers offensive line is is an absolute mess. Could be missing three starters there. Uh, and as as I've said earlier, they gave up twenty one pressures last week to the Panthers, who had hmm. one QB hit through two games. So now you've got like the most aggressive elite D line going up against an absolute bottom feeder offensive line and a rookie quarterback who he will never have seen anything like what Todd Bowles is going to throw at him. Um, I, I agree. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Um, and yeah, on, on the offensive side for the Bucks, I mean, they've not been, they tick, they tick a lot of boxes. They're fourth in PFF by pass grade. They, they've had a few drops, had a few miscommunications, but you know, we can expect them to get gradually smoothed out and incrementally better every week. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, it's Brady's still going to have Mike Evans, so I'm, I'm not super worried. I, I really don't think. I think they need to score 21 points to cover this game. Um, so yeah, I'll, I think this is my favorite bet of the week. Yeah, this is. Uh, we talked about that teaser leg that I was uh, alluding to earlier. This will be how I'm closing it out, uh, taking the Bucks down from seven to one. Um, I like them at seven anyway, but, uh, you know, again, I got to close the teaser out somehow. So I will take this, this, uh, this home team from seven to one feel very, very, very good about that. I like the seven as well. Look, I don't, there's not much more for me to allude to here. I mean, look, it's a rookie quarterback going against one of the best, if not the best defenses in the NFL right now, and is going to be getting hit, hit often having people coming at him from all different directions, getting tricked, uh, you know, them them basically showing one thing and giving handing him another. It's going to be a long, long day for Herbert. Uh, I, if, if there's props out there for, how, you know, interceptions, I would take the over on the interceptions, like things like that. Uh, those are all kinds of things that I'd be looking at. This is uh, going to be a bad, bad game for them. Really, really like the Bucks. The Steelers and the Titans obviously got postponed if you've been living under a rock. The uh, COVID situation there looked like it was going to push the game to Monday or Tuesday. That was not the case. There was additional uh, additional positives. So this game has now been postponed to later on in the season. So we will 
once that gets uh, completely all worked out, you'll be able to find all that information over at the lines as well. Brad, I'm going to start you out with a, a real fun one here. Uh, the Ravens and the Washington football team. Uh, this is something that uh, is going to be an interesting way. It's going to be an interesting game just from a handicap perspective. And that's why I wanted to hit on this one, even if we don't have a ton of plays here. Two touchdown favorites are the Ravens now at FanDuel. It is still 13 and a half at DraftKings, but it is heading to 14. It is minus 118 there if you wanted the minus 13 and a half. So this thing is going to get to the full touch, two touchdowns everywhere. Ravens coming off that uh, embarrassing loss to the Chiefs. And then the Washington football team is just one of the worst football teams in the league as we sit right now. Um, Is this your classic... Is this your classic bounce back, prove a point spot for the Ravens? You know, I mean, we like to read into some of these narratives sometimes. Are the Ravens coming out to show everyone that they're still the second best team in the in the NFL? And, and is that what's going to go on here? And can they cover two touchdowns? Yeah, I think I think they probably can. So I had an offer up at minus thirteen on on an exchange mm. in the UK. Um, didn't get matched. It's it's gone at fourteen. I, I don't know. I, I might still play it mm. because. I do see it a bit like we talked about in the last game, but the, the blitzes coming Dwayne Haskins way are going to be um, disgusting. And uh, he's not ready for it. You know, they, they we saw what they did to Baker Mayfield and um, Deshaun Watson, you know, yeah, we, we discussed last week that maybe Mahomes and his, his weapons were a bad matchup for the Ravens because you just can't really cover Tyreek or Hardman man to man, which is what they wanted to do. And, and Reed obviously had, you know, he'd been planning for that game yeah. for three months for that box box of tricks he had in there. So they, they looked bad, but they're not bad. They're, you know, they're still a top five defense in my view. And they're they're front runners as well. So, you know, <laughs> they're fourteen point favourites here. They're gonna be they're gonna be able to do the Ravens game plan. Run the ball, run the ball, play action, forty yard touchdown to Marquise Brown or, or Mark Andrews. Um Dwayne Haskins, forty three passes of have thrown a pass in the NFL this year. He is graded dead last in out of all of them, you know, behind Brett Rippon, behind Jeff Driscoll. Um, a quarter of his throws have, have got a negative grade on on PFF. So uh, anyway, look at it, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, 14 the number. It's a little bit tough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I might bet it. I, I'm, I'm right on the edge because it is a big number to down the road. Brett, this is one I'm kicking myself because this, you could have found this at DraftKings at 12 and a half. Uh, a couple of days ago, and now it's been on the run, and it is never going to sniff 12 and a half yet again. I didn't pull the trigger on it, and I feel like an idiot. Uh, everything Brad said is 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 what I have with this. And I mean, look, they're they're front runners. They're going to get out ahead in this game, and they're going to bully this team, and they're just going to beat them down. They're going to they're going to rip their soul away from them by just running the ball down their throat. And one of the things that happens with happened with the Chiefs, and it, when you have an elite head coach like Andy Reid and you have an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, they blitzed on 45% of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks last week, but they only got home twice because Patrick Mahomes saw things coming. He either got rid of the ball very quickly or he just climbed the pocket real quick and he took off running as we saw several different times. Dwayne Haskins is not Patrick Mahomes. They are going to blitz him every bit as much as they blitz Patrick Mahomes, except it's going to get home and it's going to create, you know, turnovers and picks and, and fumbles and strip sacks and different things like that. I think this could be, this 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 could be a really 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 bad game here. And look, I don't buy into all the narrative sh- uh, stuff all the time, but 
I think the Ravens, if they can go out there and kind of rub it in a little bit after all this week of negative talk about how they just got, you know, completely embarrassed and and they're not any good. And what were we doing thinking that this team was an actual Super Bowl contender? It wouldn't surprise me if they could win this thing by by 24 if they decided to win it by 24. Yeah, and I also wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens just covered the total by themselves <laughs> this week. Like this Washington team is not built to stop a team like the Ravens. The problem is that they they can't neutralize what the Ravens do mm. well. I mean, the the you know, Washington's second in pass defense, according to Football Outsiders, you don't beat Lamar Jackson by getting pressure on him in the pocket. And even if you can, like Washington's now without their most effective pass rusher and Chase Young. This just it sets up as a terrible spot. Mm for Washington because even if they do get down, you're then relying on Dwayne Haskins to move the chains late through the air and, and try for the back door. And we've, we've already seen Ron Rivera just give up late in the fourth quarter once. Yeah. I mean, they did it against Arizona. They just stopped playing. So it's not clear that there, there's a whole lot of urgency, even if they are down in and, and playing from behind. So yeah, I, ah, man, I, as badly as I want to click on Washington here, I just, I think it's the wrong side. I think the Ravens could just, one by 30 plus. Yeah, I think an interesting side note here, just for people that are kind of playing along, as you know, all three of us are in the contest uh, over at Circa. They actually posted this line at 12 and a half for the contest. And so it is, it is, uh, it is drastically different from where this thing is going to close. And so uh, decisions will have to be made. I'll just put it that way. um, Whenever we go here and and doing all that, but again, I'm with you. I listen, it, it, this is a Ravens or, or pass for me. I just am kicking myself, though, that I missed that 12 and a half um, and able to get that in my account. And that's going to haunt me. I think it's going to haunt me whenever they win. whenever they whenever they blow this thing out and I didn't pull the trigger, that's going to it's going to haunt me. Uh, one of the other games that has a big spread on the week that none of us have a, a real opinion on here. So we're just kind of going to blast by this one is this Giants and Rams game. The Giants on the road over to L.A. They are now 13-point dogs at most books. You can still find one 12-and-a-half at, at DraftKings, but has moved to 13 pretty much across the board at all the other books out here. BetMGM points bet all over at 13. FanDuel at, at uh, 13 as well. I made the dumbass decision to back the Giants this past week, and uh what in the hell was I thinking? You just watch that team and you're just like, man, I bet a horrible, horrible, bad football team. Don't know if I'll be making that mistake again, but uh, none of us have a real opinion on that one. So we'll just move on to a game that I don't know if we'll be betting, but is worth the breakdown here. And this is the Patriots and the Chiefs. The Patriots head on the road to the Chiefs. And this thing is actually moving the other way, Brad. We are looking at a game where the Patriots were a full touchdown dog now down to six and a half point dogs at most of the books around here. Of course, we just talked about the chiefs convincing win over the Ravens, the Patriots with a convincing win as well, less than a touchdown on the road at the chiefs. Yeah, this is a tough one. I thought Sim was fair, so I'm not involved in any way. What's interesting to me is, what the coaches want to do here. I mean, Belichick is he's, he's quite well known for not showing his entire hand, especially early in the season, and especially if he thinks he's going to play you again in the playoffs. Um, so I, we don't know, you know, we don't know how he's going to run his defense, whether he's going to show all his wrinkles. And the same way with Andy Reid, we thought for the first two weeks of the season he was coasting and running vanilla schemes, and then he, he brought out the kitchen sink last week. 
what's he going to do this week? I don't really know if he sees New England as a threat, whether they want to go full nuclear on New England as, as seven point home favourites. Um, you know, they're both obviously very good, very good teams. I've got New England up there. Um, fifth, fifth, fifth in um, passing offense success rate. So, you know, we talked about how, how good Cam's looked. Um, we know how good Mahomes is, but yeah, I just thought seven was there. Brett, I'll admit, um, at the full at the full touchdown, I was I was on a pretty heavy lean towards the Patriots. If you take a look at at what they do really well, right? Fourth overall pro football focus run blocking, number one rush offense DVOA so far. They are converting on third downs as well. They are getting, they're not, they're moving the chains consistently over and over again. What do the Chiefs, where it, where do they lack, right? Well, they lack in rush defense. And if you go back to that game last week, I think the Ravens abandoned the game plan too early. I think they panicked and they abandoned the game plan too early. If you did look at their success rate in running, they were able to move the ball pretty much consistently and at will. And if you remember the second drive of the game, which really is what tilted it on its head, Lamar Jackson takes it for 14 yards. So they're just moving right down the field yet again. There was a tripping penalty on that plate, negated the 14-yard run. It put them in first and 20, and the game just went off the rails from that point. They started be, they were a passing team at that point for whatever reason. They go three three passes out, next next possession, three more passes out, and then the game was out of hand at that point. And uh, I, I think they just got away from what they do well because when they did run the ball, they ran the ball pretty well. And I think the Patriots can run the ball against this Chiefs team. And I think they could keep this thing pretty close. I do hate that I have lost the hook at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, if the Patriots can control the tempo, run the football, play keep away from Mahomes, I think they'll be fine in this game. But that is the game plan every team uses every mm-hmm. week against KC. And teams fall right into that undesirable spot that the Ravens found themselves in on Monday night. Uh, the situation here is is super interesting. It kind of has me leaning Patriots too. Belichick facing a team off a short week would normally be a big plus, but it is Andy mm-hmm. Reid who has gotten the best of Belichick in recent history. But as Brad was talking about, like how much does Reid want to show in a regular season game? So I have no play here. I I would love the Patriots at plus seven, but are we going to see that? Again, uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it might tick back up. And if that's the case, I might make a small play on the Patriots. It would be Patriots or pass for me here. I actually think that Bill Belichick is the type of guy that is not going to be swayed until he has to be swayed. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I thought, called John Arbaugh, called the worst game maybe of his career this past week. And, and I think he really got off game plan far too early and I don't think Bill Belichick's going to do that. I think he's going to say, look, if we're going to beat this team, we're going to run the ball. They Their deficiency on the defensive side is is their run defense. And we'll see. We will do what works until it doesn't work. And um, I can see him doing that. So, again, if this thing hits back up to the seven, you might see your boy on the Patriots this week. So that'll be pretty interesting. Um, Brett, we're going to start with you here. Your Buffalo Bills on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bills, uh, three and O on the season. They're two and one against the spread here. Um, we are seeing the evolution perhaps of Josh Allen right in front of our face. This guy has started to, uh, he led them on that comeback drive last week and was able to get the win 
for this team, this Raiders offense completely beaten up, right? I mean, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, who were forced into that one and two role because they had already lost Tyrell Williams for the season as well. Both of them very, very unlikely to play in this game. So now you're talking about a wide receiving core of Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Renfro and and such. So um, I think that you guys were given the blueprint of how to neutralize this Raiders offense without those playmakers. Don't let Darren Waller beat you. And they pretty much are not going to be able to beat you with this ragtag group of wide receivers that they have. Um, If the Bills are smart, I think they just kind of clone what we saw last week. And I think they can probably win this game handily. I mean, easier said than right. done. Right? No, I know, I know, I know. Sophisticated Bill Belichick game yeah. plan. I yeah, I I do question that. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of the same questions from the betting community this week. Like, why are the three and O Bills such a short favorite against this Raiders team? And those, those questions are valid when you look at it uh, on paper. But has has Buffalo done enough to deserve being more than a field goal favorite on the road yet? Right. Like, let's not forget they barely escaped each of their last two games. One of those against Miami. I think this outside of Seattle is the most overhyped team in the NFL right now. And people need to take a step back and breathe for a minute and look at the leaks this team still has starting with the run defense. And we know John Gruden loves to run the football. I think Jacobs could give them fits early in this game and put them in a position they don't want to be in, which is Josh Allen throwing the football. I I just, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I think Buffalo needs to force Derek Carr to beat them. But I just I do see this as a, a prime letdown spot for Buffalo on the road. We know the Josh Allen blow up game is coming. It's coming. <laughs> I could see it being here in this spot. I like, yeah. I don't have a strong opinion on this game, but I I would not be surprised if the Bills came home with a loss this week. I think this is a this is a really weird spot. Um, three point road favorites here, Brad, against a, a beat up Ra- uh, Vegas Raiders team. The total sitting. At 52 and a half, sort of interesting to me. I know we keep talking about overs getting home and how we, it seems like you got to bet the over if you want to win a ticket in the NFL this week. I'll admit my first lean was towards the under in this game. I don't know exactly how the Raiders score a bunch of points in this one. And I think the Bills will be content to to kind of, you know, run the ball, just run a normal offense and beat the Raiders. So I don't know. I, I My first instinct was under 52 and a half. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a game I'm involved with in mm. any way yet. Um, I would say statistically, you could probably make a pretty good case for, for Oakland at home with, with the plus three. I don't think the gap between the teams is that big. Um, but those injuries are a huge concern. Though, you know, it's going to be Waller or bust, really. And then offensive line, that's that's kind of, you know, the Raiders' identity is they, they built this big, heavy team, big, heavy offensive line, you know, stout running back. And they want to... They want to beat these light NFL nickel and dime defenses, you know, like the Patriots, like like the Bills. They're they're, they're built similarly. Um, but if your offensive line isn't what it should be, you know, and then you don't have any threat at all on the outside, you know, I, I do think that McDermott is smart enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite nice that Belichick's just made his game plan for him. You know, yeah. double team double team Waller, double team the check down, and Derek Carr's not going to beat you. And that that would be my concern. Um, and I, I am a buyer. I do buy this Josh Allen mm-hmm. breakout, I guess you would call it. It's not a revival. He's just suddenly quite good. Right. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, maybe it's the scheme. You know, scheme. He, he has improved. Yeah, scheme, weapons, Diggs and, and Brown, although Brown was questionable last week. Um, so, 
three i'll probably leave buffalo but i'm not involved yeah i i also lean buffalo here and basically you just kind of go down and and you look at this raiders defense right rush defense 28th in pro football focus pass pass rush 27th pro football focus coverage rank 27th pro football focus rush defense 32nd dboa um they allowed 250 (laughs) rush yards last week you know they put they allowed 250 rush yards last week now i understand that the bills aren't built quite around the run as much as they have been in the past, but I don't think it's off the table for them to be able to do that and just kind of run it down the Raiders throats here. And so that's also another reason why I kind of lean towards the under in this game as well. So the stronger play for me is the under though. I do have a bills lean. Um, Let's head to Sunday night in a game that is uh, pretty interesting just from what we have to kind of handicap here. The Eagles are now seven point dogs on the road to a battered 49ers team as well. Do look like they're going to get George Kittle back, which is a big, big help for this 49ers team. I sent a tweet uh, privately to you, Brett, yesterday that came out of Eagles practice where one wide receiver that they had on the 53-man roster was actually at practice uh, yesterday. He's not even a receiver. He's a Right, yeah. They, Craig Ward, that the, yeah, yeah, that they had moved to receiver. Yeah, one wide receiver on the entire 53-man was actually at practice uh, yesterday. So it is, uh, it's just something for me that I just shake my head at. Uh, Brad, I don't know if you have any plays in this game. I'll admit, I don't, but it would be... Yeah, I mean, it would be 49ers or nothing for me just because I can't, I just can't back an Eagles team that basically has nobody walking out on the field. Um, yeah, I'll back the Niners here. I made uh, made the raw number a little bit higher, close to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first off, it's just the, the West Coast team at home playing the night game, which, you know, that's, that's an angle I always like to get involved with. Um, and then Carson Wentz looks to be broken. You know, you hear, you hear sort of film grinders like Greg Cosell talk about it and, you know, they're saying, he just looks timid. He looks sped up. He's he's trying to force things. Um, he's not seeing the field properly. And then when he does make a decision, he doesn't have receivers that are open anyway. So you know it's tight coverage. Um, he, he's been well protected. He, I think he's got like the eighth most time to throw. But it, it doesn't really matter. It's not it's not helping him. Um, so on the other side, the, the 49ers, obviously they've been banged up all season. You know they've not had Debo. They've missed Kittle. They missed missed uh, Jimmy G last week. They're still eighth in offensive DVOA. Um, top nine by um, offensive EPA added. So they're still, you know, Shanahan's a wizard. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still moving the ball. He's going to have his favorite toy out there. They're going to have the body clock edge and they're going up against the quarterback who's, who looks broken. So, uh, yeah, I thought minus seven was cheap. Brett, I imagine this will also be one of the most popular teaser legs of the week, um, getting the 49ers down to a point at home against a broken and battered Eagles team that, again, is going to be trotting out who the hell knows like out there this week. I mean, it's just a laundry list of injuries that they have. Um, it kind of feels like a hold your nose spot where you have to back the 49ers because it is still Nick Mullins. It is still a wide receiving core that's missing the bulk of their playmakers, but um, they're healthier than the Eagles are and they look better than the Eagles do. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a hold your nose teaser leg or something like that. I don't know. I mean, if it's a hold your nose spot for the Niners, what is it for the, if you want to bet the Eagles, I mean, how do you bet this team right now? How, how does, how does Carson Wentz get out of this funk when he has nobody running yeah. routes? Goddard out, Jeffrey Jackson, it, like 
I don't know who's going to be catching footballs yeah. for this team this week. It's 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 bad. It's bad in Philly. So yeah, I lean Niners here. I I kind of want to love the Niners, but yeah, like you said, I mean Nick Mullins. I I kind of like Nick Mullins, mm-hmm. but laying seven against any team is is hard for me to get behind when they have so many uh, injuries on this defense. So I'm just staying away. From yeah, this it's a uh, it's one that I'm not going to say by the time. Sunday night rolls around that I won't have some sort of something playing into this game, but um, yeah, I want to love the Niners as well, but it just, it keeps jumping out of me. There's no way I could put an Eagles ticket in my account though. I do know that. So if there's, if there's one thing that's for sure that comes out of this is there would not be an Eagles ticket in my account. Uh, Finally, Monday night Falcons and the Packers, the Packers seven point, a full touchdown favorite against the Atlanta Falcons. Brett, we're looking at a Falcons team here that has now blown yet another lead that does look like they will have the services of Julio Jones back for this one, uh, despite the fact that he is dealing with a hamstring injury. The Packers have just gone out there, and by the way, they are the other team that is uh, undefeated and has also covered in all three games so far this season. Only two in the NFL that uh, have that distinction, the Seahawks and the Packers. Um, you take a look at this, uh, you take a look at this, at this Falcons team and you know, they can put up points. You know, the offense is, is still stout with all of those weapons, but this defense continues to let them down and the coaching decisions continue to let them down time and time and time again. Yeah. The question is uh, kind of like what we just talked about with the Eagles. Uh, who's running routes for green Bay this week? Are they going to have Devonte Adams back? Devonte Adams said he's not going to play unless he's hundred mm-hmm. percent, which is a stupid thing to say. Cause he's, I mean, nobody's hundred percent, right. but Alan Lazard is probably out this yeah. week. So, I mean, it, it, this, this Falcons defense is a, is a horror show, but you still have to have playmakers mm-hmm. to, to make plays on the field. So I, this is going to be a practice watch for me on Friday. Like Julio is on track to play, but Ridley questionable. Like, I guess now Russell Gage got hurt last week. I don't know who's playing offense for the, for the Falcons either. So I, I have nothing here really until we see a practice report on Friday and we know more about who's going to be playing offense for these two teams. Yeah. Brad, we take a look at the, at the total in this one and it's sitting at 56 and a half. And look, I would agree with something like that. If we knew that these teams were going to be healthy, if we knew what, and I understand that Aaron Rodgers has been able to seemingly get it done with anybody, but look with Alan Lazard being out, he was the goat. He was definitely the number two there. So now you're trying to get it done with Marquez Valdez Scantling and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you can just continue to lose playmakers and just think that the offense continues to just roll like we've seen with the Packers so far. And as Brett mentioned, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks around the Falcons as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I've, I've not bet it. Um, I would say I'm more likely to believe in the Packers just because offensively that that offensive line is dominating mm-hmm. so they're, they're first in espn's pass block win rate and rush block win rate so you know probably the best offensive line in the league um and then just the numbers they've been putting up there was a, a stat i found packers are averaging 3.77 points per drive so that's a half mm-hmm. point better than anyone else and the best number back to 2001 um so you know this is kind of a historic offense at the minute now if they if they do protect Rogers as we expect, which the Falcons, you know, they're not really scaring anyone, mm-hmm. especially against this line. I think he he will be able to score his, his thirty points, even with MVS as kind of the elite weapon, just because I think he's going to be sitting mm-hmm. in his armchair in the pocket. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to lay it because of all that uncertainty and because that back door is going to be wide open. Um, you know, the pack defence, they are built for shootouts, as, as Colin yeah. said last week, because they're trying to get you a sack or a turnover to end a drive, but they are. <laughs> they will give up a lot of yards as well. Uh, so stay away from me, Colin. Yeah, I, nothing in my account on this one. By Monday night, we'll have a lot more practice report stuff. We'll have a better understanding of how things go. So um, be sure and stick around. We'll have stuff on the lines. We'll have stuff on the YouTube channel as well uh, that, that'll be focused strictly on this game. But until I know more about these key playmakers and whatever, that'll give me a bigger opinion on the total as well, because it seems a little high to me right now, but if everybody's going to be in there, then uh, that my opinion could change on that pretty quickly as well. Um, Guys, interesting week. I think for sure, some big spreads. I mean, tons of touchdown or more spreads that we're going to be dealing with this week and lots to really learn as we enter the quarter pole here of the NFL season. I think after this week, maybe we'll uh, add a little bit at the top of the of the podcast of kind of what we've learned as far as which teams are actually good, which teams we think are actually bad and which teams we think are, are due for some sort of regression, be that positive or negative, because that, you know, after four games, at least we only have four quarters of a season. We'll be at the quarter pole. So uh, we, we need to start to try to figure some things out. It's crazy how this flies by each and every year already heading into week four of the NFL season here. If you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, if you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, I am at Matt Brown M2. And of course you can head over to the lines for everything that we've got going on over there as far as content, as well as uh, getting your, your sports book needs as well. I mean, listen, if you live in one of these States where you can have multiple accounts, you should, you should price shop. You should be price sensitive. Be sure and get the best line. It is the best way we can tell you that you can improve your sports betting. It's just making sure at least whenever you're making a bet, you're getting the best of it. For Brett, for Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.